Welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm Kurt Flegel, and I am one of two of your hosts for this show. Kim Ward is the other, and she will be on shortly, as we are interviewing a good friend of hers, Steve Joyce. Steve has an incredible story of coming out of abuse and depression into God's joy. If you relate to anything that I just said, this is a story for you. If you know anyone who relates to any of those things, this is a story for you and for them to listen to because Steve's story is really one that is amazing. Let's get rolling into it. Steve, thanks for being on the show with us. Thank you very much for having me. Kim, thank you for inviting Steve to be on the show. Yeah, you know, I always enjoy hanging out with Steve and you, I guess, maybe, just a little bit. <laughs> how, do you, how did you guys meet? Gosh, I think it was through more than a song, that connection. Uh, that, with... that sounds about right. Oh, yeah, because it was the first year I helped with setup. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. We were at the that little tiny hall. No, we weren't at the vet's hall that year. Yeah, we w- did an event at the Monday yeah, Club. And I forget how Pam Ballesteros met you, but we clicked pretty quickly. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, we wound up doing setup together, and I had no idea what I was doing, so it was my very first year. Yeah. And I actually still have pictures from that of you hanging upside down off the stuff. Off a tree, and, yeah, makes sense. Tree. That sounds yeah. like me. <laughs> you know, anything to get the pictures because I was bored, so I brought a camera with me. What? So, what is more than a song? People wouldn't more than a what that is. More than a song is uh, our worship ministry. What our our vision statement to do was to gather the churches on the central coast under a neutral ground just for a night of worship, really. And uh, a big goal would be unity in the body of Christ because we are. A body, and you know, it's just it goes beyond just a church, a congregation. Just, and that's one thing I've always loved about the body of Christ is we're a family, and it's people from different churches, different congregations, different walks of life, mm-hmm. coming together to worship our amazing God. Yeah, it was it was one of those things, and I think right around that time or shortly thereafter um, is when Hope Living Church was being planted in Cayucas that uh, Dan's father-in-law was the pastor of and you know his brother-in-law was the associate pastor and Steve and I both wound up being involved in that that's probably when we really started getting to know each other and hanging out and being friends and yeah we've been friends pretty much ever since so hanging off the trees together pretty much i pretty much left the tree hanging to steve i just took the pictures (laughs) a thing about me is i guess i wouldn't call it a philosophy but i guess a character trait about me is that if there's something that can be climbed i will find a way to climb it (laughs) i guess it's very true i've got plenty of pictures to prove it yeah they're out there somewhere (laughs) tell us a little bit more about yourself ah well um i guess I don't know how to answer that question, but I guess things, I'm a husband, a father, and just absolutely love Jesus, and yeah, just been on this crazy journey with him, and uh, he's picked me up from a really, really chaotic things in my life, some things of my own making, and yeah, just put me back together, and just, Mm. not just put me back together, but just gave me this amazing life, so yeah, that's, that's one thing to say. Well, we're going to talk about those crazy chaotic things that God has worked uh, in you to put you back together. But first, how long have you been married? Well, it's about three and a half years now. It'll be four years this August 11th. So, wow, yeah. that long already? Oh, yeah. Long yeah. Time flies. I know. It's just, it's weird because, like, especially, like, same with my wife and daughter. Like, my, my daughter will be eight months old tomorrow, but I feel like I... Time just flew by, but I also feel like I've known her my whole life. So it's this weird thing. And same with my wife. I'm like, 
wow, time went by so quickly, but I'm like, wow, it feels like, you know, we've been married 20 years because I know you so well. We just mm. take the time to just get to know each other. You know, some of my favorite things to do with my wife is just sit down and have a chat with her, you know. How did you guys meet? Uh, well, coffee shop. She was a barista. I was a customer. It's that classic of a story. And <laughs> when I found out that she loved Jesus, I started paying attention more and uh, even praying about pursuing her, too. And it's one of the few times about me, something else about me, is that I'm a pretty passionate guy, and the Lord has to put on the brakes with me and say, slow down a little bit. You're getting ahead of me. But <laughs> with her, it was the opposite. He was kind of like, pick up the pace, pick up the pace with her, because <laughs> I was in school, and when I prayed about it and saying, like, okay, I think you're doing something between me and this girl. I'll ask her out when I um, after I graduate. And he goes, no, 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 ask her out this week. And I'm like, I really was not expecting you to say that, but okay. And so I asked her out. We were dating, and we were dating for about seven months or so before we got engaged so yeah we even planned to wait a year before we got engaged and but the lord was like no you guys know and i think you're ready it was obviously god well it's funny you say that because when i actually did ask her out this made me feel like a, a million bucks excuse me she actually said yeah i was hoping you were gonna ask me and i'm like okay wow that just made my day <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. yeah, who doesn't want to be wanted? Yeah, seriously. So, yeah, just first date went great. And, yeah, she, surprisingly, at least I think it went great. But she got a glimpse of my madness pretty early on. And <laughs> she's still here, so. <laughs> what does that madness look like? Uh, well, the tree <laughs> thing isn't enough. I didn't do that on our dates. Don't worry. I have more sense than that. Uh-huh. <laughs> You waited till the fourth day. <laughs> oh gosh, when did I start doing that? To be honest, I think I've lost uh, track of some of my madness that she could tell you stories. I don't think I can because, like, some of her tree uh, climbing stories, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot I did that because to me it's just life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You were talking about the chaos mm-hmm. and how Jesus has put you back together a little while ago. What does that look like? What was the pain? Hmm. Oh. Okay, well, that's uh, interesting to uh, to think about because um, I guess it'll start because my mom and dad, they were married, um, but they split up uh, when I was about four or five years old, so I like have very little memory of them being together, but just uh, some memories that I have that I was really fond of is my bedtime stories were actually stories from the Bible that my dad would tell me, and then mm-hmm. at the end of each story, he always tell me about the amazing love of God and just how amazing God is and what Jesus did for us. Those were my bedtime stories growing up, and so when my parents split, it obviously I was a little confused. I wasn't able to make sense of it back then, but um, my mom was also seeing someone new, and he unfortunately turned out to not be too great of a guy for us, too. It's, um, they didn't know this, for, but for about a year I was uh, being abused by this man, too. Um, the, uh, physically, emotionally, and even sexually. Like, I was um, nothing like rape. Uh, I know, sorry, it got heavy really quick. But no. uh, things like molestation, that did happen to me, too. And uh, it was one thing, too, that um, my mom never really found out any of this was going on until one day she saw him just push me up against a wall, and she just lost it. She absolutely went nuts, and she started taking steps to get out. And for a time after that, we were in a, a women's shelter, which it's kind of a place where women in abusive situations can seek refuge and live and 
that it was with a bunch of other women that we were there for a little bit, but then we had to leave because someone else found found that found uh, one of the women there, so it no longer was a safe place for us or anything. But for about a year, my mom, my brother, and I were um, just home hopping essentially we lived in if i i don't remember the exact number but i want to say about 10 different places in the course of a year a lot of this is just kind of hazy memories for me but i do remember those little things about it my dad he um after the divorce it was really hard for him because he loved me and my brother and just he the family he he just felt like he had lost it so he went back home to live with his parents for a time and so it was that was one thing that was really painful for me. I would always talk to my dad on the phone, but I never got to see him for about a year or so, and until he eventually came back and we'd see him on weekends too. So to fast forward that story, as I got older, um, when you're at least for me, when uh, the abuse stuff, it I didn't realize what a big deal it was too. But uh, the only way I could think to describe it as I got older, especially during my teenage years, it's like imagine being punched, and then years and years later, it's like oh, this stuff really hurt. I started kind of putting the pieces together and seeing my own behavior and how this stuff had affected me. And there was a lot more to it, but I sank into this really deep depression. And I was told stories about the Lord, but never knew that at the time that he was my healer, I never knew how to apply that. So I went into a bunch of other things that I felt would help deal with it. I kind of self-medicated. I never talked about it because I didn't know what to do about any of it. I just knew I was in pain and anything I could do to make me feel better, I would do, you know. And what if, if you don't mind sharing, how did you turn to? Uh, uh, marijuana was one of them. Pornography was another. And isolation. I just didn't want to be around people because I think, um, looking back, it's that I had this... Um, I had a lot of damage and trust issues from other things. Like another example is my mom, after she got a situation, she remarried. And I think there was a subconscious thing to her new husband. He was a great man. Um, but there was this thing in little Steve that I was just like, I'm going to resist you. I'm going to make it known that I don't like you. And he didn't do anything wrong. I think I was just like, I was wounded by you know, a f- like father figure. And in a weird way, my dad didn't mean it this way, but I can't, think I felt a little abandoned by him so I'm like this her new husband I was like I'm going to resist you and I'm gonna let let it be known to you that I don't like you which caused a lot of friction in our family and most of it was my fault honestly but Mm. the biggest thing for me was just a lot of depression sorrow and sadness and not knowing what to do with it and I kind of tried to build a life around that because it was all I knew it was it wasn't happy, but it was familiar to me, and that's something I just tried to live in, you know. When you say that you tried to build a life around that, mm-hmm. what what did you build it with? What did, what did that look like? Basically, it. Uh, my brother, he'd always try to have me go out with his friends or whatever, or just try to include me in things, and I'd be like, no, I'm good. I just was isolated kind of as much as I could, as often as I could, because I'm like, I had a few friends, but it's just like, it was... It was more of I was afraid of whatever I felt like I couldn't control in a weird way. That's, I mean, honestly, being in depression as the the Lord started doing a work in my life, I actually didn't didn't pursue him at all because I was just like, 
this depression is a familiar safe place. It's not happy, it's not good, but it's familiar. It's something I can control. Am I making sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was like it was like a blanket, right? Yeah. It was a dark blanket mm-hmm. that like kept out the light. Yeah, it kept out the light, but, but it, it felt familiar. warm and comfortable. Yeah. yeah. And it's like it's weird to say that too, because it's just I even as I felt the Lord starting to work on my heart and saying like okay, I want to heal you of that. I'm like, no. And like, that's, it's, I was actually running from him for a long time. And in fact, uh, a big thing that was a Catholic event for me, because I had very few friends, but I had one really good friend and my dad. Those were like my two, two trusted friends. In the span of one year, they both died. And, but when my, my friend came first, my best friend, his name was Jonathan. And when he passed away, I knew, I was I had started going to church a little bit and I felt the Lord saying like I want to do something with you in this you know I want to work um I want to heal you I want to do something and I'm like I can't deal with this this is too hard you know it's just like I felt like even more control was kind of taken from me if you will and like I just for a year I ran away and just in deeper into that stuff because I'm like I just didn't want to face my pain I didn't want to face what was going on with me and so, and then I started getting calls from my dad that he had cirrhosis, and we, it, it, pretty early on, they made it clear that this wasn't looking good, it wasn't something that he was just going to recover from, you know, and it's just like, sorry if I get a little teary-eyed here, oh. but it's just like, then it's, I remember saying, like, just even pleading to God, I'm like, this can't happen, you know, this this cannot happen. I just lost one of my best friends and this is, I feel like he's one of the only ones I have left, you know. He went to go visit my um, my uncle because at this point he was living in Michigan and uh, when he went out to visit my uncle, uh, I got a call from my uncle one day saying, he's in the hospital and uh, we need to get you guys out here. We, but this is just not looking good and I didn't know what that meant. But about a week later, I was on a flight staying with my uncle and visiting my dad in and out of the hospital too and and at that time, seeing him, my dad was always a bigger kind of man. Um, he was, a, if I had to guess, his weight around 220 pounds or so, pretty much most of his life. When I saw him in the hospital, I outweighed him, like, by a big, significant margin. And it's it just hit me like a ton of bricks of how big of a deal this whole thing was. And the doctors, we'd talk to them, and each day it came in, they, his life the expectancy got shorter by the day. They said, like, yeah, he's... He'll be lucky to live a year. And this was in the year of 2008. And then they went like, yeah, he'll be lucky to live six months. And then they say like, yeah, he's not going to see Christmas. He's not going to see 2009. And this was in the month of September. Then they said like, yeah, he's not going to see November. And then it's that he's not going to make it to the end of this month. And I'm like, how is this happening? And I remember they were, when the doctors were, working on him they called us and saying hey we were trying to move him into more urgent care where we can keep a stronger eye on him he uh, they said but he's really upset about it we think you and your uncle need to come and we walk into the room the doctors are surrounding his bed and he's really emotional and he said hey guys do you think you have confidence in me to make a decision right now and we look at him he seems like he's you know he's not on drug like on meds or anything he's he goes like okay I think it's enough, you know, I don't feel like I'm going to come out of this living, you know, I think it's time for me to go home. Mm-hmm. My dad made, like, and he loved the Lord, he knew where he was going, and it's just, this is something that still ministers to me that day. He was basically telling me he's 
ready to die and go home and be with the Lord. And he spent the rest of the night trying to cheer me up because I lost it. And I'm like, that's the man of faith he was. He spent the night saying, it's going to be okay, son. And the very next day, he actually passed away. You know, it's just... I said my goodbyes to him and... Excuse me, sorry. I remember... It's okay. And I remember just that night I was talking to my uncle and he was telling me just what the Lord has done in his life and how... And he ended his testimony with saying, you know, in the end we really have only two choices. We either trust God or we don't. You know, and I... uh, I, He was saying this outside. It was about 4 a.m. too. And he went back inside and just said... All right, Lord, you win. I don't even know where to start. I just know that I'm safer in your hands. Whatever you want from me, I'm going to do it. You know, I don't care how long it takes. I'm giving you my whole life. And it's all off the table here. I'm What I'm doing, what I've built is not working. And it can't be worse with you. You know, I kind of said that in a weird way. Knowing there was something, having faith, there was something more there. But I'm like, it honestly couldn't be worse than this. That was the tipping point. Yeah. It sounds like it was a journey, like, for all of us. You knew him, you believed in him, or you knew him at some level. Mm-hmm. And yet you were struggling with surrender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was this journey of God bringing you to the tipping point. Absolutely. Where that uncertainty, like, that comfortable blanket, that mm-hmm. place that you... You knew well, even if it was a dark place, you knew it well, that you were willing to step out of that into the unknown and the uncertainty. I mean, honestly, God does. He calls us to places that are uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. He's. I say this a lot lately, at least to myself, that God's infinite love is not really comprehensible for us finite people. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And so we run from what we don't understand. Mm -hmm. So God's infinite love is hard to understand because everything we see has a beginning and an end and it it has its limits. Mm. And to tell me there's a God who has no limitations on his love for me sounds good, but it's hard to comprehend that and understand it. And what I don't understand, I run from. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And that was my case, too. And it's funny because um, even going to church as a kid, my ma, my mom, she brought us to church. And uh, as a kid, <laughs> I feel horrible for saying this. I hated going to church as a kid. I just hated it. I would fake being sick. I did not like it at all. <laughs> But after he died and I came back home from uh, North Carolina, since that's where my father was when he passed away, my mom said, hey, do you want to go to church? And I was shocked because the Lord was already doing things in my heart that I couldn't realize. I'm like, yeah, I really do. You know, and it's just, um, I gave my life to the Lord that night. But when they did an altar call for salvation, I'm like, I need to publicly declare that this is where I'm standing. And I did. And just, they prayed for me and I started seeing more and more of the Lord, but I still had this depression too. And I remember something rose up in me where it was, it was the Lord just stirring something up in me, but that I said, you know, God, I'm, I'm still, have these sad feelings. I'm still sad. I'm still depressed. And I think part of that was grieving my dad, but I'm like, you know, I, I refuse to accept that the God my dad uh, told me about when I was a little kid in a bed, that is this good designed me to be this miserable. 
I don't believe that and I want to start seeing what you have for me. And I was kind of putting a demand on the Lord saying, I want to see this. I want to see how good you really are. And uh, I mean, the scriptures even say, taste and see that the Lord is good. And he really started doing that to me. He just started giving me, filling me with with so much love and just so much joy that I'm like, I remember sharing this story with a friend because I haven't really talked too much about this. And when I was talking to a friend about what happened, he just flat out asked me, what's your testimony? I told him and it was so weird because I had a moment where I paused. I'm like, oh yeah, that really did happen to me. All these things happened to me, but he's brought me out of it so much to the point where I'm so happy. I have... I have such a loving, wonderful wife who absolutely loves the Lord, and I have an amazing daughter, and I'm just like, he's filled me with so much of his love, his His grace, and his. he's just done such an amazing work in my life that I can't even, It it's almost like I've forgotten what it's like to be there, you know? Mm. It's... <laughs> That's amazing, man. I hear in that story again, like we were talking about, not understanding God's infinite love so we run from it and stay what's comfortable, what we know. And yet, like you said, there was this journey that God took you on. Mm-hmm. The things you were holding on to, he, he helped you let go of those things. And there, there became this tipping point where the pain of staying in the comfortable place that, that you knew, or the place you understood and knew, mm-hmm. became greater than the fear of the unknown, mm-hmm. I should say. Yeah. And that and your dad's death was that tipping point. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, it's it was definitely like I say that was the moment I'm like, okay, I'm done doing this. I I can't do this anymore. And I do believe that the Lord was giving me little glimpses of His glory and His goodness. I love in the Book of Acts how it talks about how. Like, the disciples, people saw that they were uneducated, but they knew that they had been with the Lord. And I'm like going, it's just, you know this. I mean, I think we've all seen that. When someone, you see them one way, there's like, and then you see them like another day and they have such abundant life on them. It's like, yeah, they've been with the Lord. You know, they're, they're not the same anymore, you know? And it's just, the Lord did that for me. He just like, he just gave me a small taste of his glory and goodness and his love. And I'm like, I've... I've never looked back on it, you know, I'm just like, you know, it's just, I'm, I understand where, what the disciples were saying when the 70, like, left Jesus, and then he turns to his self and he goes, are you going to leave, leave too, and it's just, I weep every time I read that scripture, mm-hmm. they say, where else would we go but from your presence? And Peter said, you have the words of life. Yeah. Where else are we going to go? Mm. And I resonate with that too, and this may be an odd thing to say, and I hope this isn't offensive at all but it sounds like through your dad's death came the gift of life mm-hmm. there was actually gifts in your dad dying there was gifts from mm-hmm. god yeah no it's not offensive at all because i mean i'm a big believer that uh a believer who loves the lord they not only serve the lord with their life but with their death their departure from here you know because he he was so ready to go and it's something that i've kept with me i'm like I even remember thinking, why are you in such a good mood? You've decided you're going to die. But it's just, I think he, he knew where he was going, you know, and he was, he was ready. You said, where else are we going to go? You have the words of life. Mm. And before, God was speaking life to you, but you weren't accepting it. You were huddled in this dark place. Mm-hmm. And then with your dad's death, what you saw in him was the reflection of that life because he was receiving it. 
and I say this, and I, I truly believe this, so you reflect what you receive. Mm-hmm. And your dad, even in this place of dying, was receiving the life, constantly receiving mm-hmm. the life. Like, the moment we step across that line of faith is the, and we receive the life is just the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's That's a so constant good. practice. Yeah. You know, of, of receiving what God has for us, believing and receiving is... John one twelve says, "I love the scripture." I say it all the time. I say yeah, it in so it many, so many podcasts. But for those who receive Him, for those who believe in His name, He gave the right to be children of God. Yeah. And your dad had continually, even in the midst of these painful things, kept receiving all of who God was for him. And so, in the midst of a physical dying process, you saw a life. Mm-hmm. That you didn't have, yeah, flowing out of him, reflecting out of him from his receiving. He received and so was reflecting it, and that was the tipping point for you. It sounds like to me to go. I want that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What I mean, I'm afraid of it, even though I don't understand it. I want it because anything has to be better than this, as you said. Yeah, it's funny what you said about crossing that threshold of faith, because I think that that's my story. I don't know if it's extreme or not, but it's just like, I feel like that's many of us too. Like, we're very comfortable in where we're at and what we've built, and the Lord's saying like, hey, let's take a step out of, or even take a step out of your comfort zone, because beyond that place of what what you're familiar with, I have something greater, and that's just the Lord, Mm -hmm. really, because saying all this i've not arrived by any by any means he's just constantly showing me so much more of his glory and goodness by each day and i'm just like my dad died he in 2008 and when i've been really going after the lord and i'm like there really is no end to your goodness is there (laughs) i mean it's like that's 13 years now that i'm like wow, there's so much more to you. I mean, it's just, there's so much more to your glory and goodness. There's so much more of your love. I mean... Infinite. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's just, yeah, and that's one thing. I'm now in a place just from being a person stuck in a really depressed place or just even not stuck, just living in that place to the point where I'm like, I'm excited for what you're going to do now. I'm really excited for what's next, you know? Mm. It's just... How did that happen? I mean, I was someone who was just like, okay, I'm just trying to get by in this little murky bubble I'm, I've created, if you will, to the point where I'm like, what are you going to do next, Lord? Even when it's scary, it's just like, and he's still growing me, still doing the amazing things in my life, you know? The infinite love of God that we don't understand that makes us run <laughs> is the thing that brings us back. Yeah. Like what you're describing right now is this, like there's so much more. There's always more. The infinite love and, and still sometimes we, you know, the journey is we cut and run at times. Oh, yeah. And, you know, daily. There are moments where we run from him because there's something uncertain we don't understand about his love and we run. But these are shorter accounts. Like you, you spent uh, years running. Mm-hmm. And now we may run, but there's shorter accounts because we've seen how much he runs after us in his oh, infinite yeah. love never stops being poured out even when we're running Mm -hmm. even when we're hiding in our darkness he doesn't turn off the faucet of his love he can't yeah it's always pouring it out and so the very thing that causes us to cut and run is the thing that brings us back it's his infinite love yeah yeah it's funny it's something very simple but that i've often meditate on is just when we say god is love like a lot of times we think we i think people can think oh he just has a lot of love it's like no he is 
love. He that what love is all love that comes from him because that's what he is. That's he can't just he just can't stop because he can't help himself. It's who he is, you know. God's identity defines our identity. Oh yeah. So let's go back a little bit. When you were in that bubble, in that dark place, mm-hmm. and all the things that had happened to you, and the wounds that you'd been carrying, what were the messages those wounds were speaking to you about who you were? Like, what did the wounds say, this is who you are, Steve? The biggest thing that came up was you're no good. You know, you're broken, you're damaged beyond repair. You know, it's just, just live with it. You know, all you can do is pain management at this point. That's the best you can do. That's where I got into things like marijuana, alcohol, pornography, and just it was more self-medicating. Right, you know? right. Just, they were they weren't the real issue. They were the medi- the medication to to not deal with the root issues. Yeah, and to ignore and gloss over them, and not think about them. Yeah, and that like I never had like a miraculous break. There was more of like the Lord just talking to me, like like father and son just talking to me about these things. But He gave me this one analogy for me trying to deal with my own pain that way too. He said, "He's saying, Steve, you doing that is like trying to put a bandaid on a heart attack. It's just not going to work. It's and it's quite silly." <laughs> and I'm like. <laughs> Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> that's a great analogy. Yeah. <laughs> so, the abuse that you suffered at the hands of this man, what was the message you received from that wound? Or what did you hear about your identity from that? Surprisingly enough, I just felt a lot of shame like that. It was my fault, honestly. That like Because I guess part of it was, there was a lot to it, but part of it was, I'm a kid, this is an adult, and you kind of have this thing that authority's right. So it's like, there was this thing in me, at least, where it was like, okay, I must have done something to deserve this, too. And like honestly, that's something the Lord still can deal with. Kim even, well, um, my wife, she can even say that, you know, sometimes you tend to uh, take things too personally like they're your fault when they're really not so the lord is still walking through things with me on that where i tend to take responsibility for it but i digress uh, no no that's not a digression that's the, the point of saying well i must have i must have deserved this yeah like if someone treats me like garbage that's that's who I must be. Yeah, I don't, That's shame, right? Yeah, and I don't know the psychology of it, too, but I know that that kind of thought process is also common when parents divorce as well. So I think for me, I maybe I had a double whammy, too, because it's just, yeah, that those were some of the lies I was, I want to say struggling with, but when I was choosing to stay in it, I wasn't struggling with. I was just learning to live with them and, like I said, manage the pain of them, too. Yeah. But that was the difference. Jesus didn't just want to manage the pain in my life. He wanted to make me whole, and he did. He wanted to take the pain and the messages that that pain was telling you mm-hmm. and speak a different message, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm going to go back to that, uh, back to the pain for a second and just talk about shame. Really what shame is, from my understanding, is different from guilt. And, and it's important mm-hmm. to you know, delineate or divide those two things. Guilt is, is the feeling we feel because we did something wrong. Shame we feel because we, we think we are something that's wrong. Wow. It's our identity. Yeah. We've taken on an identity that says, I am wrong. Hmm. And so the divorce spoke that to you as well. Again, I'm not like an expert on... No, but I mean, you're an expert on your life. So yes, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> or you're growing into be. So I, I'm not talking about anyone else but Steve Joyce. Yeah. 
you said in the divorce it made you feel some shame as well or you think it did i think so i mean i think it could have been something like that well a memory i had too is when the parents were separating and like we were walking out of the door with with my mom my dad he was sitting at a table he just puts his head down and starts crying because my dad loved his family and it's just to have that i to go through something like that i can't imagine what the the pain of that must do especially when you have kids there and and i just remember walking over to him and giving him a big hug and i said don't cry dad we we love you we love you very much and i started crying too and but in a weird way, like the Lord's even shown me, he said, in that moment, you felt like you wounded your dad. You did something wrong. And I'm like, wow. There was this thing, this, yeah, this shame that I was feeling like I wounded the people I love and cared about, you know. And so in a weird way, I think looking back then, the abuse I went through, there was a lie I was under that I must have deserved that, you know. And that's not uncommon for, from what I understand, too. Wow. Yeah, you were carrying all of that. So of course, why, why wouldn't you want to medicate to, to not hear those voices, right? Yeah. To escape that, that shame. Yeah. Wow, I never thought of it that way. <laughs> but now you've discovered a different voice that you are learning to tune into mm-hmm. that uh, can speak louder than the, the voices that are being amplified by the rooms. Mm-hmm. This is the great thing we talked about, God's identity. God's identity is infinite love. And through the lens of who God is, we get to see who we really are. And that's a 30,000-foot view Mm -hmm. for all of us who are Christ followers, but that's a very intimate view as he begins to show us what we mean to him uniquely. Mm -hmm. And so what are some of the things that God has shown you that he enjoys and appreciates about who you are, who he made you to be? There's some aspects of your identity that God's like, I love this about you, Steve. Yeah. Well, one, I think he I think he made me really with a strong sense of honor. Like we were even talking before this about names and their identity and my name, uh, my first name, Stephen, means crowned one. And my last name, Joyce, means joy. <laughs> so I feel like that's one thing he loves about me. It's just like the crazy stories of climbing in trees. For me, things like that, serving in ministry, all that, it's fun. It's just play. You know, it's like, I'm not to say take away from the seriousness of it because we're doing the Lord's work, but it's just, for me, it's so much fun to just serve him. It's just so much fun. And I think that's one thing that he really adores and loves about me. It's like, you know, I love how you just love to have fun. You know, because that's who the Lord is. He's just so fun. Yeah. I mean, you know. Just, Joy. Oh, yeah, He's absolutely. One of, one of his characteristics, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I struggle with people who think, like, the Lord is boring because I'm like, how do you get that? Yeah, I, like, I've had the most fun I've had in my entire life here just being with him, you know, but... I don't know if this is too weird, but he's even shown me a little vision before, too, where it's like I'm just sitting on the Lord's lap, too, and he's got this jar, and he starts pulling these little slips out, and they look like fortune cookie things, too, and he's reading them with this big grin on his face, the father is, and I'm like, what, what is this? He goes, these are your prayers you've prayed throughout your life. I just love rereading these. And this was, I want to say I got this about five or six years ago so before I met my wife and like one of these he pulls out and I notice there's a little red mark in the corner of the each slip and I'm like I'm just like well hey what's that is that just decorative he goes like oh no that's a mark just to show I've answered that prayer 
And it's funny, too, because there's one that he pulls out as prayers for my wife. I, I hadn't even met her at the time. And he's, it had that red mark. And I'm like, wait, that one's not been answered. He goes like, no, 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 I've answered it. You just haven't seen it come to pass in your life yet. And I'm like, whoa, that just blew my mind because I'm like, you really are holding my whole future in your hands, aren't you? Well, that's not weird at all. Yeah. That's beautiful. But it just showed me so much of the Lord just saying, like, wow, you not only care about me right now, you care about, you You know the end of my story, you know? It's just, you've got it all planned out. Like, Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the thoughts and plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans for good, not for evil. And you know, I'm just like, it's really true. I mean, I know we, we quote that a lot in the church, but my gosh, it's so true. Uh, I want to go back to the... Please. The joy thing. Um, <laughs> can you read that? Read the whole thing with the name involved. So, Kurt Flegel, At Play in Creation. I love it. <laughs> so this, At Play in Creation, was a silent retreat that I went on one year. I go to, on a six-day silent retreat every year. That was the name of it, At Play in Creation. So that was my name batch. Mm-hmm. Here's my name and the title of the retreat, At Play in Creation. And I went the whole week, Steve... The whole week wearing that and not really even understanding the message, even though I was listening and in silence. It took all six days of that retreat, the moment we were all in a circle talking about what had God been showing us in this retreat. It was that moment on the sixth day, after six days of listening, that I looked down and noticed that my name badge was the way God sees me. Yeah. Kurt Flagel. At play in creation. Wow. So I resonate. I want to say that before we go on. I really resonate with your joy, right? Mm. That God looks at you and says, let's play, Steve. Yeah. Let's play. The word and joy is really, the root and is in. Mm. In joy. You said it. People, you can't understand it where people go, God is boring. When his character one of the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of who God is, mm. is joy. And he calls us to be in joy, to enjoy life, because joy is him. Mm. That's why that sits there. That mm. name badge, Kurt Flagel at Play and Creation, sits there. Because I need constant, it's silly to think that I need a constant reminder of how God sees me, of my identity. Mm. My unique identity, part so of it good. is, I'm an otter, I play. And God made me that way. And my family of origin, my father in particular, did not understand that and actually actively tried to oppress that. Wow. That there, again, the shame, that there was something wrong with me because I like to play. Hmm. He was very serious and work-minded. And there's nothing wrong with that um, mentality if it doesn't go too far. Mm -hmm. But um, my perception was... He never appreciated that aspect of me, and so I hid it away. Wow. And so it's a big deal for me to keep that there, to reminding that my that's earthly good. father and my heavenly father are not the same. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's absolutely true, because um, one uh, story also my dad would read to me was the story of Peter Pan, and the Lord's always used that to me because it's... Uh, it's always been about, you know, growing up but keeping childlikeness, not childishness, but childlikeness. Right. There's a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, it's always been a thing to me, too, because it's just like, you know, grow up, 
but still keep a childlikeness, you know, because Jesus even said, in order to end, to see the kingdom, you must be like one of these little ones, too. And mm-hmm. it's like, being a dad now, I'm like, I feel like I've come to learn so much about the father's heart, because one thing I'm really looking forward to is for when my daughter can walk and run around, I'm like, well, take her to the park, and I'm playing with that kid. I don't care if I look undignified. I don't care if other parents go like, what's wrong with that adult? I'm playing with my kid. I want to play with my kid, and I do all the time, you know? Yeah. It's always been one of my favorite memories of you was you playing with Robert and Emily's kids oh, yeah. and getting down there and them crawling all over you throwing and messing them with into the you, sky. throwing them into the sky, catching them, of course. Well, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I think Emily would have ended those visits real quick. Yeah, probably. I would say but so, but yeah. That's always been something I've loved about you. Thank you. You are so joyful. And it, <laughs> I mean, I just remember how many times we'd just be busting up. <laughs> Cracking up for no apparent reason other than we could feel God's presence. Yeah. <laughs> and the little laughter would just start. And the next thing you know, we're like, we have no idea why we're laughing. But we're just enjoying God. And yeah. that was that was probably outside of Youth with a Mission. Those were like those moments I was like, all right, God's fun. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of a story I heard from a really heavy sounding book. And it is. Mm-hmm. Orthodoxy. Hmm. by G.K. Chesterton, who is the precursor uh, when it comes to theologians to C.S. Lewis. He was a generation before. And uh, he writes this really thick volume called Orthodoxy, but he has a story in it that's really cool. He was refuting the deist point of view that God set the world in motion kind of like a watch. He built the watch and then he sent, set it in motion and it's just going and he's back there distant just watching it. G.K. Chesterton said, I don't think it's like that at all. Mm-hmm. I think that God on the first day spoke and the first sunrise came up. Mm-hmm. And every day since God is saying, do it again. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. a little kid. Do mm-hmm. it again. Do it again. Right? <laughs> That's childlikeness. Yeah. That's the heart that that I hear him saying he put in you. Wow. Every dawn, God's crying out, do it again. And everything that we do that he enjoys, he's like, do it again. Steve, do it again. You know, play again. Mm. Enjoy again, because that's who he is. Wow. He enjoys everything to the fullest. Even in the stuff that's painful, God's calling out, there's joy here. Mm-hmm. I've placed it here because that's who I am. And what's amazing to me is a guy who once lived in darkness and like did everything you know he could to stay there as God was dragging him out by his fingernails, <laughs> that God revealed to you that that wasn't you. Yeah. Those were the lies you were believing that kept you in that place of darkness. Mm-hmm. And God was trying to pull you out to show you who you really were, which was joy. Yeah. Steve Joyce, mm-hmm. you are joy. Yeah. It's it's funny you say that, too, because I've told my testimony a few times, but I, this might sound weird, but I genuinely can't remember what it felt like to live in that place anymore. I really can't. I'm like, like I said earlier, when I shared it, uh, my testimony with a friend, I'm like, it was kind of like this thing where I'm like, oh yeah, that did happen to me, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it's like, it feels like there's no scar to it anymore. It's like, okay, yeah. this this happened. It's unfortunate, obviously, but 
you know, the Lord is a redeemer and he's definitely done that work in my life where I'm, he's just brought me into something so much greater that I'm like, there's no heartache for it. No, like feeling of loss. It's just, I feel, if anything, I feel like I, he's brought me out on top where I've like, I've gained more than I've lost, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, totally. And for random thing, context too, my dad passed away when I was 20, uh, 23. I'm 35 turning 36 so it's like I lived in that place for more of my life than where I've been following the Lord and I feel like I've gained more in a shorter amount of time that's just who he is that's cool yeah well you, you said joy that's a big one I know because I've gotten to see that in your life what are some other things God said about who you are well a lot of things I feel like he says to me too because like I said I'm not perfect there are things that I still have to wrap uh, my head around sometimes I feel very much like Gideon, who was hiding in a wine press, and he says, rise up, you uh, you valiant man. And it's like, okay, if you look at it in the natural, it's like he's not being that way, you know? He's not, mm-hmm. not being a mighty man of valor. He's like, but the Lord's calling that out of him, too. Right. God sees it in him and is calling it out for him to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In the same way with the joy. Oh, yeah. He had to call it out of you. Mm-hmm. And he's still doing things like that today and just in... In little ways, like, especially because for me, I can be pretty hard on myself, too. Like you mentioned earlier, the difference between guilt and shame, too. I can still sometimes struggle with, like, if I screw up going, like, oh, gosh, I'm I'm an idiot or something like that. And he goes, like, shame. yeah, exactly. And he says, no, Steve, you're actually very brilliant. I'm like, <laughs> okay, what? <laughs> you know, it's just things like that. Like, and it's funny because he's sent me my, um, my wife's family, my mother and uh, father-in-law there. Like, they the Lord speaks to them in that way. They say, like, Steve, you are... I'm not trying to be arrogant here, but they say, Steve, you are incredibly wise. I don't know if they realize it, but that's... They're a voice of the Lord in that way, too. That's just something the Lord's really trying to hammer into me. And it's, sometimes it's harder for me to accept, but I'm yeah. like, I go, okay, you're saying this about me, and I know you don't lie, you know, so... Well, that's the thing about all of this, is that, you know, what God's conviction on us is not meant to put us down. Mm-hmm. His conviction on us is meant to pull us up. Mm-hmm. Pull us up out of the lies that we've been believing, that we self-medicate from. Mm-hmm. And he is calling us to see ourselves as he sees us. Yeah. Conviction is about speaking the truth of who we really are, yeah. who he really is. And the more we understand his identity, the more, we, again, we we see our identity in reflection of the lens of who he is. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful because he mm-hmm. is joy and he is life and he is light and he is love. And so then he begins to convict us to stop believing these things, these shameful things we believe mm-hmm. about ourselves. And so we live out of what we believe. We believe shameful things about ourselves, so we do shameful things. He's, his conviction isn't about the things we do it's about what we believe the shameful things we believe about ourselves mm-hmm. that he doesn't want to put us down he wants to pull us up yeah and so when you say i don't want to sound arrogant no here's actually arrogance arrogance is to say i'm no good yeah that's good because arrogance saying i'm no good is calling god a liar yeah who that's he true. created me to be saying that i'm oh i'm just i'm just trash or I'm garbage or I'm like people put themselves down and it looks like humility but it's actually arrogance and pride Mm. we actively resist what God is saying about who we are it's true actually um when we were in school one of the teachers said um was giving that same kind of lesson 
um, someone said, hey, you by calling people great, you're um, promoting mm-hmm. arrogance in them. And he said, like, okay, hey, um, see that picture over there? He goes, like, let's pretend for for a moment that you painted that picture. That's your work of art there. He goes, like, all right, you got that? And he goes, like, what a horrendously ugly-looking painting. That The colors are all wrong, everything. And he goes, like, now let me ask you, did anything I say glorify you as the painter? And he goes, like, no. And he goes, like, you didn't make you. You know, God made you. And if you do this self-degrading thing, you're actually talking about the person who made you because he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make junk. So, I mean, it's something that the Lord's convicted me of, too, because and I actually have gotten to a place now where if I say things like, oh, even in a passing jest thing, like, oh, I'm like, oh, I'm such a bonehead. I go, I'm sorry, Lord. I, I shouldn't have said that, you know, because it's like you did not you don't make boneheads. You don't make stupid people. You know, you just don't. And like. Yeah. <laughs> we do stupid things sometimes. Oh, yeah. We do boneheaded things. Yeah. But that's not who we are. See, and that's the point. What defines us? Mm-hmm. Are we defined by our failures? Mm-hmm. Are we defined by our sexual desires? Mm-hmm. Like in this world, there's yeah. a lot of identity wars going on. Are we defined by our desires? Are we defined by what we do and how we feel? Or are we defined by who God says we are? Yeah, yeah, it's so good. And I, yeah, I think we're, de- uh, well, I know we're defined by who he says we are. And I'm so thankful for that. I mean, just even, even on my best day, you know, I'm thankful he doesn't define me by what I do or don't do. Because if I did, my identity is on very, very unstable uh, right. foundation, you know, and I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to live in that place where I'm just like, oh, if I'm doing good today, then, you know, he loves me. He, But it's like, no, he just loves me. He just does and that's not, he's not he's not making his mind up about us right. he's he's already made his mind up that he's like i'm crazy about my, i'm crazy about my people and that's the point is him is us believing that mm-hmm. and that's what the conviction's about when we believe that then we live out of that mm-hmm. and, and that changes our that attitude that shift in attitude that he's really convicting us on changes our behavior it shifts our behavior okay i have one more for you Can please you, You've come a long way. But what advice would you give to someone who is still stuck in those places of darkness that has yet to experience what Mm. you've experienced? What advice could you give them for taking some steps into the love of God that you've experienced? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, The best thing I would say is just give him a chance. Give the Lord a chance. You know, just what if he got to lose it, honestly? Just take a step, one step towards him, and... You're not going to regret it. Just like I've, uh, someone I've worked with, he's not a believer too. I've even said to him before, I'm like, you know what? Just ask God to show up. He will. Mm-hmm. He will show up. You know, just ask him. Take a step towards him, and I promise you, you won't regret it. You know. So just say a prayer if you're out there. Yeah, just say a prayer. I mean, just to ask him to show up. Ask him to reveal himself. If you're real, mm-hmm. show me. I need to see who you are. Make yeah. Yeah, because he doesn't hide from us. He wants us to know him, and he wants us to be known by him. It's just he he desires relationship with us. That's been God's biggest endgame from the very beginning, you know? Mm. Really, that advice is the scripture you quoted earlier, taste and see <laughs> mm-hmm. that the Lord is good. Yeah. He's not shoving the, the goodness into your mouth. He's mm-hmm. offering it. Yeah. And you have to taste, you have to ask for it. Mm-hmm. So what would it look like if someone asked God show me that you're real and and who you are to me and that you're good and that you love me what are some of the ways that they might have to look for that how does God reveal himself 
I'd say there's many, many different ways. Like, my mine wasn't, like, this big, powerful encounter where I saw him in my room or anything like that. I just like felt... Some, like, light shining <laughs> No, no. But, like, I remember standing outside my uncle's place at, like, around 4 or 5 in the morning, the night my dad passed away. Because keep in mind, I had lost my best friend earlier that year and then my other best friend, my dad, in that one night. So I, like, I was grieving and I was like heartbroken because my dad was gone I, I knew in this world i was never going to see him again but just when i tur- like said okay i'm i'm giving you anything and i meant it and i just felt such an overwhelming sense of his peace that's what mm-hmm. he gave me and it's like it was weird because i'm like i shouldn't be feeling this right now my dad has passed away i'm not saying that it went away i mean and he dealt with the grieving later and i had family surrounding me but when I was flying back home, I had a bo- my dad's ashes in my hand and looked in the mirror. I'm like, this is my dad. And it's just like, now that we're going to start healing your heart. That's the first thing I heard the Lord say to me. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I, the, one of the first things he did too was um, he just encouraged me to just cry, just to grieve my dad, just to grieve the loss I had went through. And it's just like, that's what, another thing I would say to people who are in a dark place. Like, the Lord's not oblivious. He's not asking you to ignore it. Those are the things you can bring to him, you know? He cares way about these things way more than we do. Like, because to me, living in that dark place, I'm like, I, I managed that I was I wasn't happy. It wasn't good. But he's like, I care more about that because he had a bigger life for me than that. So expressing those emotions, telling God how they feel, mm-hmm. being honest about it, don't not stuffing those things down. Not glossing over those, but coming and going, God, I'm angry. Mm-hmm. And if you're real, I need you to sh- show me. I need I need to see that mm-hmm. because I'm really mad right now. So you cried openly. You shared that. Yeah. You I... didn't stuff it down. No, no. And, uh, and that's what you're encouraging people to do. Yeah, just even express it to God. Mm-hmm. I feel like we can tend to do this religious thing, especially with the Lord, where it's like just telling him what we think he wants to hear, but it's just like... That's not what the Lord wants, honestly, from us. I don't believe that for a second. He He's after our hearts. He wants to, he, like, what we're going through, he cares so much more than we do, you know? He wants us to be honest about our, what's in our hearts. It's, Share them. I would say so, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because what I went through, too, I don't think until I go home to be with the Lord, I will understand how much he really cared about what I was going through. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever understand what he felt with me there. I think, if anything, his heart was grieved, not because of me, but because he's like, my son deserves better. Mm. His heart was grieved because you weren't receiving. Yeah, yeah. God wants us to express what is, not what we think it should be like. Mm -hmm. He wants us to express what we are really going through, what we are really feeling, what we are really thinking, and not what we think think should be, what we should be thinking and feeling. Yeah. God is like, I know what's in your heart. But mm-hmm. I want you to share it with me. Yeah. Because when you share and confess it, you create an open channel for me to give. Mm-hmm. I would say one other thing, too, that um, felt like the Lord just showed me this, too, is that um, a big reason, I feel like, was the prayer I said um, when I was still struggling with depression. I had just been like, Lord, I, I can't accept that the the God that my dad was telling me about and how good he was designed me to live this way. I don't believe that he meant that. And I felt like it was God taking him at his word. And I would encourage anybody just even read scripture and just understand who God is. Read who he is. Like if you're struggling with anxiety, read what he says about peace. You know, he says that he wants to give us a peace that surpasses all understanding mm-hmm. saying like, okay, that word is true for today. Saying like, hey, 
you may be living in anxiety, but saying your word says you want to give me a peace that surpasses all understanding. What's that look like? I need to see that in my life. You know, what he said he wants to give us, he does want to give us, Mm -hmm. you know, another scripture I absolutely love is that even when we are faithless, he is faithful. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to feel that way, but he is going to keep his word to us. He, he cannot disown himself. Yeah, he cannot disown himself. And he, we have to, at some point, believe he means what he says. That he made us part of him, his family. Absolutely. Disown us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The thing um, that comes to my mind, there's two things in this, and that is, one, would you say if someone is asking and they're not yet sensing God's presence or his peace to keep to just keep going. Would you say that that's and that the advice you would give? Keep, keep asking. I would say don't give up on him no. at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd say keep going. You know, it's just even if you're not seeing anything away, he is faithful. You yeah. know, so that's good. Yeah, I would say also the th- the other thought that came to mind is sometimes we need other people around us, like you had your dad. Yeah. And sometimes we need other people around us to keep encouraging us mm-hmm. to keep going or to take the first step. And I would say Celebrate Recovery is an incredible ministry. Yes. Um, that's more than national, it's international. And it's all about helping people come out of that baggage of, of seeing the things they're doing, the, the shameful behaviors to cover up the shame they feel about themselves. And Celebrate Recovery is a gifted ministry. Yeah. And there's people in that ministry who want to help uh, separate the lies from the truth of who you are. Yeah. It's funny you say that because that just reminded me of something. When I started going back to church, um, there was a young adults uh, group that was meeting on at nights, too. And because um, I don't want to take credit away from Because for me, I didn't do this on my own. It wasn't just me and the Lord because... I agree with you 100%. In fact, the first time in Scripture when the Lord said, this isn't good, is when he saw that Adam was alone. I And I had plenty of people come behind, me and come behind me and come beside me and listen to me and just help me and just champion me, too. It wasn't just me and God. It was me and a bo- the body of Christ. But mm-hmm. one of the first things, and this might seem like nothing, but when I came back to church... I was um, the young adult thing. I because I had no friends anymore, you know. And the Lord was trying to put more friends in my life. First time I showed up, and given where I came from, I was clammed up, and I sat in the back, and I showed up late and left early. And He said, "You didn't give it a fair chance. Go back um, next week and go early and leave late." And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And I sat down there alone. I didn't know anyone, so obviously I was awkward. But a thing that changed my life because I like had plenty of like rejection issues shame all this stuff so my faith in people was kind of shaken a thing that really broke through that in a simple way was a young lady coming up to me and saying hey do you want to come sit with me and my friends it was a simple gesture like that that made me realize okay it's it's not all over for me Mm -hmm. you know man thank you so much steve you shared your story you shared advice and so one more favorite ask go for it would you pray for those who are in that place where you are. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be honored. So yeah, Lord, I just I just thank you so much for your glory, your goodness, and your love, Lord. And I know my story is not the only one, Lord. This is nothing new to you. And I pray for any of those who are just in darkness and depression and sorrow and sadness, Lord. I pray just that you would invade those spaces. You would invade those spaces right now and just give people a glimpse of your goodness. Not even a bigger glimpse, just a 
a f- good, amazing view of your goodness, Lord, because just one encounter is all it needs. One encounter with you is all it takes for us to want to give everything to you, Lord. So I pray that you just reveal yourself to those people listening right now. I just pray that you would just be so real and just show up in a powerful way, Lord. Yeah. And pray you draw them in with your love, Lord, and encounter them in a way that they would just follow you and never look back. And pray that you would turn their mourning into dancing. <laughs> I just call out the joy in those people. You were made for joy. And this is your fault that uh, mm. Steve's here, and so I, I say that as a, as a means of, of uh, saying thank you. So will you wrap that prayer up for us? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm on it. Dad, you were so good. Yeah. You were so good to us, and you are so good at being God. Yeah. <laughs> and as you keep liking to say in my head, you are that cool. Yeah. <laughs> you are so much fun. Yes. And it is such a blessing to get to go on this adventure you call life with you. Yeah. That we just get to be your kids, enjoying you and playing with you and living with you. Father, I ask that you would reveal more and more of your heart for us. Because when we see you more clearly, we see ourselves more clearly. Yes, Lord. And when we see your love, we then get and receive your love. Then we get to pour it out on those around us and it becomes this beautiful picture of just how much you love all of your creation dad just thank you for steve thank you for the story of how you've moved and worked in his life and the promise that you've given us that what you've done for steve you can do for us as well do it again (laughs) you are so good to pursue us and it's not a passive thing but you are that mighty warrior pursuing us post haste Nothing held back. We thank you for that, Dad, and ask that you would just help us to receive all that you have for us. Mm-hmm. We ask this in the power and authority of your Son, Jesus. Mm. Amen. Amen. Kim, thank you for asking Steve to be on the show. Steve, thank you for saying yes. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. Love having you. Thank you, guys. And for everyone who's listening to Life Hurts, God Heals, we appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. We're praying for you. And until next time, be blessed.